Well, it is good to be with everybody today. Uh, my name is Bob. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors at Celebration. Uh, we are one church and we have multiple locations. We call it multi-site church. And I'm the uh, pastor over on the west side. And one of the things that brings us together is the preaching and teaching. Uh, pastor Mark does the bulk of that at Celebration Church. He is out of town this weekend at a marriage event. And so you get to hear from me. And I uh, just want to uh, enjoy your time together and welcome all of our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton and everyone joining us online. It's good to have you with us. Uh, we are in the middle of our Go Beyond campaign. And a couple of weeks ago, we had our Commitment Sunday. We also had our First Fruit Sunday. And a lot of people jumped in. We took a big first step at Celebration Church into the Go Beyond campaign. And if you've not yet had a chance to connect in, we'd encourage you to do that. We'll be encouraging you all month. And uh, on the first Sunday in June, Pastor Mark will be making an update as to where, we're are, where we are. So we want to give everyone a chance to jump in. Well, we want to take a moment and just have all the moms and grandmas at all of our campuses, would you stand to your feet? We want to honor you this morning. If you would stand up. Let's give them a hand. You are awesome. You can have a seat. I want to say uh, happy Mother's Day to Claire Huxtable. Uh, sincerely, a child from the 80s. She was a good influence on my life. Claire Huxtable, no. Um, I thank God for moms. Uh, I think without them, none of us would even be here. Uh, I think without them, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. And uh, moms mean so much to us. And I want to say happy Mother's Day and thank you to my mom. Uh, she's joining us online this morning. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She uh, had four little kids. I'm her second. And, uh, and thank you for always believing in us. My mom always believed in us that we could do anything we set our minds to. Thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you for praying for us and for listening to us and disciplining us as much as we didn't like that part. Uh, giving to us and all the uh, countless sacrifices that you made for uh, me and all my uh, brothers and sisters. Thank you and we all love you. And when you have kids uh, not that I had the kids, but when you become a parent, you kind of get a different appreciation for your mom. And so I want to say happy Mother's Day to my wife today, Dana. She's here this morning with us. Happy Mother's Day to you. There's a picture of our family. If you want to throw that up, that's our family there. Uh, four awesome kids. Uh, the oldest there is Dylan. Dylan has a lot of passion for life, and uh, he likes to play drums and likes every kind of sport, and he will stay to the very end of anything we go to and participate in. He's a passionate kid. Uh, that is Adderley. She's my little girl, the only girl in the family, and uh, she is a princess by every sense of what you can imagine. Uh, she loves to sing, and she loves to dance, and we could just spend the next half hour talking about her if you wanted, but uh, Charlie there, he's our wild man. We used to call him One Shoe Charlie because he always liked to wear one shoe. Now he's called No Shoe Charlie because he likes to wear no shoes. And for some reason in this picture, he's wearing two soccer shoes uh, that belong to Dylan. 
So he's got a thing with shoes. Um, and then our youngest is Jude there. He's a couple months old, and uh, he's been a real gift to my wife. None of our kids have been easy, and he's been the easiest one so far. So it's been pretty awesome. And my wife does an amazing job, and she's a great mother, and she sacrifices and gives a lot to those kids. And one thing you learn um, when your wife gets pregnant is that these little kids are takers, aren't they? They're almost like little parasites. Like, like, I didn't have a lot to do with their growth and development. My wife, she did all of it. I did hardly anything. All of their nourishment and all of their sustenance and all of their development and all of their growth, it comes from her. It comes from my wife. And they take from her. And uh, I've been through this four times now. And guys, I promise you, we've got the easy end of this whole deal. And moms make a lot of sacrifices, and mothers are truly a link to God. It's a child's first taste of the love of God. Speaking of the love of God, in 1 John 4.10, it says this. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That we didn't do anything to deserve God's love. We didn't love him first. A child inside the womb doesn't love mom Mom loves that child first, and God's like that. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We'll talk about that, a story of laying down a life. Ephesians 5 and 2 says, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If there was ever a picture of sacrifice to us, of God's sacrifice, of his love, it's that of a mom and what she's willing to sacrifice for her child. These scriptures paint a picture kind of for us of what God's love is like. That without us first loving God, that he loves us. It wasn't of our own doing. A mom's like that with a child. That there's no greater love that can be displayed than laying your life down for another. That Christ so loved us that he gave himself up for us. And that we're to offer our bodies. Moms, when they get pregnant, they sacrifice their bodies. They sacrifice a lot for these kids. And mom show us this kind of love from the word go. There's a story from World War II and the Holocaust, horrible tragedy that took millions of lives, that of Solomon Rosenberg and his family. And I'll read the story. It says this. Solomon Rosenberg, his wife, their two sons, his mother and father were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp and the rules were simple. As long as you can do your work, you are permitted to live. When you become too weak to do your work, then you are exterminated. Rosenberg watched his mother and father marched off to their deaths, and he knew that next would be his youngest son, David, because David had always been a frail child. Every evening, Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours of labor and searched for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together, embrace one another, and thank God for another day of life. 
One day, Rosenberg came back and didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, huddled, weeping, and praying. And he said, Josh, tell me it's not true. Joshua turned and said, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where is your mother? asked Mr. Rosenberg. Oh, Papa, he said, when they came for David, he was afraid, and he cried. Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. She took his hand and went with him. That is motherhood. That is sacrifice. That is courage and that is love. The other day, my wife was uh, walking the kids across the street. We live in kind of, uh, we live right pretty close to a busy street. And across that street is the park where the kids like to play. And it's springtime. And uh, the drivers aren't used to kids crossing the street to go to that park right now. So they're cruising along. You're supposed to be going 25 there. Well, my wife waited for all of the uh, traffic to die down and the light to turn red that was like a block away. And when it did, she decided to cross the street and she had Charlie, my two-year-old, and they were crossing the street. My wife was holding Jude and Charlie was on his tricycle. And Dana told him, Charlie, make sure you stay within the white lines when we cross this street. And so he wanted to be very careful and follow the rules. And so he stayed inside the white lines and he was just staring at the ground. And he was, you know, going really, really slow to be careful. Well, this car took off and he was going like 45 miles an hour by now. And he wasn't slowing down. My wife was thinking, surely this guy sees us and he's going to slow down. Well, he, he, my wife finally could kind of catch his eyes and she realized that, man, this guy did not see us. And so she yelled at the top of her lungs, a screeching yell that only a mother could give. And that guy heard her and he slammed on his brakes. Everyone else slammed on his brakes. My wife pulled Charlie out of harm's way and they missed Charlie by just a little bit. And a mom will sacrifice a lot. A mom gives a lot. And sadly, we live in a culture today that really doesn't hold motherhood very high. That really doesn't encourage motherhood. Uh, the verse we just read in Romans 12 and 1 said that we're supposed to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. The very next verse in uh, 2 says that we all live in these cultures, that all of us live in a culture, and that some of the cultures that we live in really don't reflect what we're supposed to believe as followers of Christ. And he says this, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conform there, he uses, actually means to be squeezed into a particular shape. Think about Play-Doh. If you've ever had little kids, you've probably played with Play-Doh. And if you put Play-Doh in one of those things that have like the handle and you squeeze it down, out the other end comes what? Whatever the shape was. So it's noodles or it's a star or a square or whatever you were squeezing that Play-Doh into the shape of. And what Paul says is don't let culture shape the way you think like Play-Doh would, that you just get formed into whatever culture says, but rather be transformed in your thinking and in your believing and in your operating in the world. And if you talk to people, especially young people, I've got friends my age outside the church and know people and have asked the questions, what do you, what do you think of marriage and what do you think of family? 
For the most part, sadly, for many young people today, when they think of marriage and family and kids, it's often thought of in negative terms. And we fought real hard at Celebration Church to think differently about that. But we live in a culture that pushes in on us because it runs after what? It runs after money and success, security and independence. And if you were to even think about getting married just outside of high school or after you finish college, well, people might think maybe you're one of the stupid ones or maybe your IQ isn't very high. I mean, what about the security? What about the money? What about establishing yourself in your career and living life? You know, you got to at least get through your 20s, right? You got to go experience life. You got to have money in the bank. You got to get a house. All of those things. You can't even think about marriage and kids until you've accomplished that, is what our culture tends to say. And these roles of marriage and parenting and fatherhood and mothers have really been minimalized in the culture that we're a part of. And I think in particular, the role of a woman has been pushed down and diminished the most. It's something that really goes all the way through history. If you go and read Genesis and you have the fall, when the fall happens in Genesis, God says that there would be enmity between man and woman, that there would be strife, that there would be conflict, that it happens all the way from the beginning. And that cultures tried to deal with that conflict that's between man and woman. It's like boys come out of the womb with a bent towards doing everything better than girls. It's just something we've been a part of. So cultures had a reaction and it said this, well then women should put off family and pursue career. Then she will be something. Well that is just simply not the truth. In fact, if anything, it's at best a half truth. A woman should be able to pursue career or family and hold her head up high. The same is true for guys here. You know, if guys, if you want a big family, if you want 15 kids running around at home, chances are you're going to have to be home a little bit more to help out with those kids. And maybe you won't climb the corporate ladder like you would have otherwise. What we do see in the Bible is that God holds the family very high in our world, right? Like he doesn't call himself CEO of the universe. He doesn't have a mug that says world's greatest boss, he doesn't call himself the intergalactic GM or director of the universe. He calls himself father. What does he call heaven? The plant, the office, the shop. He calls it home. God's dream from the beginning is family. And God loves this idea of parenting. Motherhood finds its place in God. When you look at a man, there's certain characteristics about a guy that reflect attributes of God. And when you look at a woman, it's the same thing, that there's certain attributes of God that are reflected in woman. And the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest reflections of God, of the Holy Spirit in our world. The Holy Spirit in the scriptures is called the helper. And when God created woman in Genesis, the Bible says that she would be his helper, the helper of the home. Now, helper does not mean slave. Like, for example, God is not our slave because he helps us. Rather, she's called the helper because she has power, because she can, because she's filled with good things, because she's filled with strength. In other places in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is also called counselor, empathetic one. The woman, the wife, the mother is such a great reflection of the Holy Spirit in the home. The Holy Spirit is also the power source for the believer. Living life like we're supposed to 
as a believer is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Women have so much power in the home. As the, you know, people say that the man is the head of the home, but as the old adage goes, if the man is the head, then the woman is the neck, right? Women have so much power in the home if she understands the role that she has. In Isaiah, it says this about God. Will not a woman forget her child whom she is breastfeeding? No, she will not. I can tell you from experience that a woman doesn't forget a kid she's breastfeeding. In fact, she forgets about me for a while. I become chopped liver for a little while. She doesn't forget about that kid. It says, how much more will God not forget about his? See, God totally gets this thing of motherhood. These attributes came out of God. And the point I'm trying to make is that parenting matters as much to God as being a business person, as being a professional, as being a minister. You go to Genesis, the pinnacle of all of creation, and God creates man and woman in the garden, and there is love. God's idea from the beginning is marriage and family. He loves this, and kids. And people have valued in our culture success, money, power, and fame higher than these things. And life is not about just getting stuff. But we need to live like Paul encouraged us in Romans 12 too, to not be conformed and squeezed into our way of thinking by the culture around us. So what does the Bible say about women? We'll read about it in Proverbs 31. This little section of scripture is called the wife of noble character. You might be familiar with this section of scripture. Maybe you've read it before. Now a little word of caution about this section of the Bible. Um, I used to wait tables at a restaurant. Waited tables all through college. I love to eat at restaurants. Been to a lot of restaurants. And restaurants have menus. And on the menu, you've got appetizers and you've got entrees and you've got desserts. And they're all good. These are all good things. But in all my years of waiting tables, I've never seen anyone walk into a restaurant and order everything on the menu and then eat everything on the menu because if you did, you would die, right? <laughs> Proverbs 31 is like that. It's like a menu. These are all good things. Now, ladies, if you try to do all these things, you're going to die. But these are all good things. This is what the Bible says about a woman with noble character. Proverbs 31.10, a wife of noble character who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. So in other words, you couldn't afford to pay for all the stuff this lady does. You would go broke. A recent study said that if you were to employ all the things a mother does in the home, it would cost you about $113,000 a year. You couldn't afford to pay for all the stuff that lady does. It says her husband has full confidence in her and she lacks nothing of value. So the man values her. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax. My wife is always selecting the finest wool and flax. It's her passion in life. She works with her eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. So she's a morning person. But notice, she's got servant girls. My wife somewhere is yelling, amen. I promise you, my ears are turning red. She's thinking about me. We could use some serving girls. <laughs> she considers a field and she buys it out of her earnings and she plants a vineyard. She doesn't even talk to her husband about it, doesn't consult with him. She just goes and does it. This lady is a businesswoman. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her tasks. So she's doing Taibo and Zumba. 
She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So she's on the New York Stock Exchange and she's a night person. You try to be a morning person and a night person, you're going to die. You got to choose one. In her hand, she holds the distaff, my wife does the same thing, and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So she's got some ministry happening in her life. When it snows outside, she's got no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. This lady is a fashionista. She makes coverings for her bed and is clothed in fine linen and purple. She is a seamstress. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat and sits on his butt amongst the elders of the land. <laughs> so this sweet lady is fine with her husband just sitting around on his butt getting all the credit for all her hard work. Solving world problems. Anyone got any husbands that like to solve world problems out there? I was doing that with my neighbor the other day. We're sitting on his, on his porch and we, and we were solving all the world's problems. We had it all figured out. So she's cool with him doing that. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies merchants with sashes, some mo' money and mo' business. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She's a good time. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She is really, really smart. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She knows how to take care of the house. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Now we're trying to do this today, guys, on Mother's Day, but we need to do a better job of this more often. Motherhood is a pretty thankless job. Kids aren't waking up thanking their moms for all the things they do. So guys, we need to lead the charge in this area of being thankful to our wives for all the sacrifices and all the things they do and who they are. This year I didn't get my wife a Mother's Day present because I figured this was enough for her, me preaching. She, <laughs> She just wanted to hear wisdom from me. I'm just kidding. I got her presence. She laughed. She didn't want to hear what I had to say. It says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And here's a sad state of where our culture is at. What's the Plato? What's the, what have they squeezed us through? What are we supposed to be thinking? Well, at the current rate of abortions in our world, one in three women will have an abortion by the age of 45. And a couple of reasons for that are women that get pregnant outside of marriage and young women that get pregnant and oftentimes are without hope and they don't know what to do. And somehow I think we as the church need to find out how we can offer hope and help to these women, that we can be there. And these, there are women here at Celebration that have experienced an abortion, and today likely is a hard day for you. And my prayer is that you will know that God is able to rewrite your story. And there is always hope in God, that he can bring good out of any situation, that there's nothing more amazing than God's redemption, that no matter how much trouble you get yourself into, for every person that is listening today, no matter how much trouble you get yourself into, God is bigger than all of it. The cross is the most defining moment in history. Past, present, or future. The cross is the most defining moment in history, not our actions. For those of you here today that are birth moms, that maybe you had an unplanned pregnancy and chose to keep that baby so you could give the that gift of family to another we honor you. We honor you for not terminating your pregnancy. You are selfless 
and brave and generous. We also want to honor you adoptive moms and stepmoms who raise kids by doing all of the mom stuff, but don't always get recognition of being a real mom. We think you are real. We especially honor you single moms who have the triple duty of being a mom. You are breadwinner and you kind of have to be like a dad sometimes. Life may not have been all you had hoped, but we believe that with Jesus, in the midst of all of the stuff of life, that there is hope. The Bible says that it is Jesus in you that is the hope of glory, that there is always hope for those that follow Jesus Christ. And we honor all of the grandmas who love, support, care for, and pray for your grandkids. You are filling a vital role in their life and in our world. And we honor all of you moms who've not been able to be moms. You have a mom's heart, and we honor you as well today. And our prayer is that your prayer will be answered, and that God would give you the desires of your heart. And that you'd even find ways to express your motherhood with where, wherever you're at today, because everybody needs a mom. I'll close with this. It's a poem called Mothers and Moms. This is for all the mothers and moms in the world. Mothers who have sat up all night with sick toddlers in their arms, wiping off barf-laced Oscar Mayer wieners and cherry Kool-Aid. <laughs> Saying, it's okay, baby, mommy's here. For the moms who stay in rocking chairs for hours on end, soothing crying babies who can't be comforted. This is for the mothers who show up to work with spit up on their hair, milk in their blouses, and diapers in their purses. For all the moms who run carpools and make cookies and sew Halloween costumes, and for the mothers who don't. This is for all the mothers who gave birth to babies they will never see, and the mothers who took those babies and gave them homes. This is for the mothers whose priceless art collections are hanging on the refrigerator doors and all the moms that froze their buns on metal bleachers at football or soccer games instead of watching from the cars, like the dads. <laughs> That's what I'd do. So that when their kids asked, did you see me, mom? They could say, of course, and actually mean it. This is for all the mothers who go hungry so their children can eat. This is for all the mothers who read Goodnight Moon twice a night for a year and then read it just one more time. This is for all the moms that taught their kids to tie their shoelaces before they started school. And for all the moms who opted for Velcro instead. <laughs> this is for every mom whose head turns automatically when a little voice cries mom, even though their kids are at home or college or have families of their own. This is for the mothers whose own children have gone astray, who can't find the words to reach them. And for all the mothers who bite their upper lip when their 14-year-old dyes their hair green. This is for all the mothers who taught their children to be peaceful at home and now pray that their children will come home safely from the war. What makes a good mother anyway? Is it patience, passion, broad hips, the ability to nurse, the ability to sew a button on a shirt and cook all at the same time? Or is it in her heart? Is it the ache she feels when she sees her son or daughter disappear down the street, walking alone to school for the very first time? Or is it the jolt that takes her from sleep at night to the crib at night just to put her hand on the back of her crying baby to make sure that she's okay? Or is it the panic that comes two years later 
when she just wants to see them come home safely again? Is it the need to go hug a child when she hears the news of a fire or car accident or a child dying? The emotions of a mother are universal. Today, our thoughts and prayers are for the young mothers, stumbling through diaper changes and sleep deprivation. And for the mature mothers learning to let go, for the working mothers, single mothers, stay-at-home mothers, married mothers, mothers with money, and mothers who are broke, this is for all of you from all of us. Hang in there. Remember, in the end, the only thing that matters is that you did the best that you could and not what you couldn't. All I ask is that you love us, and please don't give up on being a mom. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all the moms that are here today. We thank you for motherhood. I pray for moms and grandmas today that they would feel celebrated, honored, loved, and appreciated on this special day. And we ask God that you would let these mothers feel your love, the love that they give to so many of us. Thank you for the voice of God through women. Women have such influence on the home. I pray that they would understand their role well and that they would lead with strength and conviction to serve their homes well. We love you moms. We honor you moms. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.